Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and I am just coming back from vacation. So for this week, I want to give you a short, sweet, but important lesson and one of the biggest pieces of weaponry in the arsenal of economic tools. Today, I want to talk about banks. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host. Alrighty, so I think that most of us know how banks work, but the mission of this podcast is to teach financial topics from the standpoint that the listener does not know what I'm talking about. With that being said, let's start with a high-level overview. Banks take money from one group of people and companies and lend them to another group of people and companies. The first group are known as depositors. The second group are borrowers. By definition, depositors have more money than they need in cash, so they need something to do with it. Borrowers do not have enough money, and they need to get more. Typically, these two groups do not know each other, and even if they did, they may not trust each other enough for the people with extra money to loan it out to those that need it. This problem is solved by the existence of banks. At their core, all banks do is take money from depositors, loan it to borrowers, and take a cut of the profits. Let's take an example. We have person A and person B. Person A has a $50,000 emergency fund and therefore doesn't need the money right now. Person B wants to go buy a new car but cannot afford to buy one with the cash they have. Person A sees that a bank will pay them 2% per year for all money in a high-yield savings account. So they go to the bank, open the account, and deposit the $50,000. Person B goes to the bank, talks to a loan officer, and gets a loan for $30,000 to buy their car with a 6% interest rate. We're going to ignore loan paydown and compound interest for this example just because I'm trying to illustrate a point. Over the course of a year, person B was charged $1,800 in interest on their 6% car loan after the first year. Of that money, the bank took $1,000 and put it in person A's savings account to pay them for their 2% interest, and then the bank took the remaining $800 as profit. You may hear shorthand that banks make money on the spread. What that means is that banks charge a higher interest rate for loans than they pay out to depositors. In our example, the bank charged 6% on the loan but only paid 2% to the depositor. It may seem unfair that the bank keeps most of the interest, but remember, the bank did all of the work. The bank built the branch that the borrower walked into to ask about the loan, they paid the loan officer for talking to the borrower, and they spent a year making sure that the borrower made payments on the loan. All the depositor did was make the deposit and then sit back and relax. Also remember that the bank takes on just about all of the risk. In general, banks take on all of the risk of a loan going bad. If the borrower didn't pay the loan in our last example, then the entire loss would be on the bank and the depositor would still be entitled to all of their money plus interest. As the finance saying goes, more risk, more return. In this case, the bank takes on all of the risk but takes most of the return. In doing this, banks perform a valuable service to the economy. They take money from people that don't need it and aren't going to use it, and loan it to people who are actually going to use it. Money that isn't being used is a dead weight in the economy. There's only so much money in a country. If a bunch of it is sitting under people's mattresses, then it is not helping anything happen. 
I try not to get political on this show, but I would like to spend the next couple minutes and offer some perspective here. There are plenty of people nowadays who are saying, eat the rich, or the rich are hoarding money and that's a bad thing. But let me offer this. Let's say we have someone with a million dollars in cash, and then we have a guy named Joe, who has, let's just say, a lot less than that. Our millionaire puts his million dollars into a savings account so that he can earn his 2% interest. Our boy Joe goes to the bank and applies for a $500,000 loan to build an ice cream shop. With that money, he buys a building, buys the equipment to make and serve the ice cream, decorates the store, and keeps some money on the side so that he's able to pay employees and bills of the business until the store starts making money. Let's fast forward a year, and Joe's ice cream shop is doing very well. He's got a full staff, and his customers love his ice cream. The business begins to make enough money to where Joe can afford to pay himself a higher salary than he was making in his last job, and the business is paying off all of its own bills. Eventually, Joe is able to pay off the loan, and then he has a paid-off building, a profitable business, and will likely soon become a millionaire himself. Now, let me ask you this. Would Joe have had that opportunity if he didn't get the bank loan? How long would it take for Joe, or even you, to save up $500,000 in cash to be able to start a business? Now, here's the kicker. Would the bank have been able to give Joe that loan if our millionaire didn't deposit the million dollars? Unknown to the millionaire, his money was given to Joe so that he can pursue his dream of owning his own business. People can claim the rich are hoarding money, and that may be true, but that money isn't doing nothing. That money is being distributed to people and companies who are going to use it to build businesses and buy houses. Remember also that most small governments borrow money from banks too. So that millionaire or billionaire's money is being loaned to your city and state to build schools, roads, low-income housing, and fire departments. If that million dollars was under a mattress instead of deposited at the bank, would Joe have been able to get the loan? The answer is no. Again, banks take money from people who don't need it and loan it to those that do need it. They cannot do that if there isn't A, extra money in the system, or B, people don't deposit that money at a bank. I'm not trying to take a stance on any issues here. I just want to lay out some facts so that you have something to think about the next time someone says that the existence of billionaires in and of itself is morally wrong. Their money isn't sitting in a mattress somewhere. It is being used for good, even if they aren't actively causing that good. I've seen people online and on television talk about that we need a redistribution of wealth. Well, I would argue that banks have been doing that for hundreds of years with great success. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and step off my soapbox and close the episode there. If you have more questions about banks, remember to either shoot me an email or a tweet. My links are in the description below. This will not be the last episode on banks. There are lots of fun things that happen within a bank and plenty of things that banks do to help the economy. So there will be plenty more episodes on that. If you have suggestions, feel free to shoot those over to me. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.